1: They may be a monster, if you want to
0: be we're not going to talk about it. All right. No. Welcome back to I'm 30... only
1: talking about Peloton.
0: Welcome back to 32 Fans in 32 Days. I'm Alex Chester with me, as always, Wheels Wienerker. Wheels, how's it rolling?
1: This episode is sponsored by Peloton Bikes. They, We have the best customer service in the world. We'll always listen to our rich clientele. Uh, Peloton husbands everywhere, please buy bikes for your wives, especially after they have babies.
0: Yeah, listen, Peloton has the approval rating of the people who have it is like 100%. These people are like cult members. So that's why I'm like, all right, it's got to be good. But yeah, I'm uh, having some struggles today. But we're we're really not going to talk about that, all right? No, I think we all, we're only
1: this is a Peloton podcast. Mike Vrabel, coach of the Tennessee Titans, big Peloton guy. I'm assuming, yeah, I think probably. He Seems like it would be. He might be. All There's right, so yeah, we're talking times today. We
0: have Peloton. Brandon Hilliard, a new guest. So Brandon, welcome. To new the
1: guest. Podcast. We found him today on Twitter. I hope he's good. I think yeah, he'll be apologies to Jamal Black
0: and all. Like Akiva schedules all these guests as if we don't have long-standing guests for all these teams, but that's okay. New blood is good. I wanted to mix it up
2: this year. Yeah. yeah.
0: Right, well, let's mix it up. Well, Brandon, I'm gonna start. Brandon, by...
2: how are you? Yeah. I'm I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on today, guys. What he wants to talk also?
1: <laughs> do you have do you have any experience with the company Peloton? Or the Tour de France, I do not. like being in the Okay. Do you remember when they when like they did the Peloton why they they got canceled for like a day last year, Peloton?
2: Oh yeah, that was a big thing, right? That that ad that yeah. People got pretty upset
1: about. Yeah, I don't remember what it was, but yes, it was an ad that people got pretty upset about. That's that's also. <laughs> that's all, all we need I to know.
2: About
1: it. Um, the Tennessee Titans. I feel like, usually one of the most boring teams in the NFL. Last year, they were sort of the Jaguars from from three years ago, right? Like, sort of come out of nowhere, defense and rushing led.
0: Well, hold Trump on. Can I to... get my whole little preview? Because I've been complaining about this team all offseason. So. Well,
1: well, but do you not agree with my
0: take that this is no, I, okay, very Jaguars okay. three years
1: ago-ish? Uh, well,
0: no, you know what this is. This is very Titans every year because they've got nine and seven four years in a row. All right, it's like the way. Here's my issue: there is nothing that is more harmful to a franchise's long-term success than having an unsustainably mm-hmm. lucky season and then mistakenly assuming that it's repeatable or even a jumping-off point to a better season. And so, like the classic example is this: is the Bucks who they go ten and six uh, the year with Raheem Morris, and when when Raheem Morris was sort of pointed out, and Josh out, Freeman. Yeah, but Josh Freeman had a couple of good years at least. But, and when it was sort of gently hmm. pointed out to Raheem Morris, sort of the unsustainability and how they got lucky and all these metrics and stuff, he said, stats are for losers. And well, guess what? You're a loser. And they went like six and 10 the next year and got fired. So, like, the Titans went nine and seven in 2016, and then they went nine and seven in 2017, and they went nine and seven in 2018, and they went nine and seven in 2019. But, like, let's not confuse ourselves. They only won nine games last year and made the playoffs because Houston was locked into their seat and rested everybody in week 17. Because two weeks before that, Houston had just beaten them in Tennessee. And, you know, if they had needed to try, Houston quite likely would have won in week 17. And, you know, everything that happened thereafter would not have happened. And, and this is where I'm going to upset Brandon and all the Titans fans because my argument is the Titans would be a, in a better position today if that had happened. If the, if the Texans had beaten you in week 17, you would be a happier fan right now. Now, I don't want to take anything away from all the joy you had last January as you went on that magical run in the playoffs. I'm talking about your forward-looking projection in August 2020. And I think your forward-looking projection in August 2020 is worse because of the fact that you won in week 17 last year so uh, you know i can get into that further but what's your immediate reaction explain yourself brandon
2: yeah it's so sad to hear but i feel like it's it's the total that's the conception of the titans overall is that we're kind of this mediocre boring team Um, and, and I'm not going to dispute that at all. I think going nine and seven, four years in a row is exactly who we are. Um, but I do think that we do have a good jumping off point at this time. I think Vrabel and John Robinson have built a team kind of from the top down. I think it starts with John Robinson. I think he's built a winning culture. I think bringing Mike Vrabel in has kind of solidified that. I think the winning mentality that they had going through the playoffs, I think most of last season was kind of a playoff game for the Titans. We started off terrible with Mariota under center and then, switch to Tannehill wasn't my favorite move at the time, but I mean, it paid off and I, and I do think we're in a better spot. I think the team has kind of a chip on their shoulder because people still don't believe in them. And I think this is the year that they kind of bust through that nine and seven hole and, and, win a couple more games than they have before
0: well let me be very specific about why it is that i think you're in a worse position now than if you had you know lost to houston and been eight and eight not made the playoffs and it's because of the fact that you made those two uh big free agent signing uh contracts in the offseason which are in my opinion the two worst uh contracts that we saw this offseason and i was very vocal at the time before they were signed and then after they were signed that i was very negative on these so let's start with Tannehill. uh uh, please show me, Brandon, the examples of league average quarterbacks uh, through the age of 30 who have a career year at 30 and then use that as jumping off point and suddenly become stars for multiple seasons. Because there are many, many, many quarterbacks who have a career year at the age of 30 or other random year and then go back to being the average quarterback they always were. But the only example that I'm aware of, of a guy who changed like the traject- trajectory of his career at this late an age, is Rich Gannon, who you know, benefited from having John Gruden back when he was that generation's Sean McVay and he had a couple of Hall of Fame receivers. So is your argument basically that Tannehill is the next Rich I have Cannon? a guy,
1: by the way. I have a guy. Yeah, who? After 30. Steve Young, 31, had his really first good year.
0: No, well, Steve Young was good. 30 was good,
1: and 31, he was great. No, Steve... Steve Young didn't. I mean, he was fine, but like, he didn't, get a, he didn't uh, uh, play
0: a season. I, I'm talking about a guy who we have a documented track record year after year after year of being an average NFL quarterback.
1: Okay, fine.
0: Right? Mm-hmm. With, like, with Rich, now, I think with Tannehill, was actually better than Rich Gannon because Rich Gannon wasn't even a starter for you know, a lot of his career. So Brandon, go ahead. Tell, um, me, tell me why I'm wrong. Why, why is Tannehill going to buck the trend and be the first guy ever or the second guy ever to, you know, be average forever. And then at the age of 30, have a historical he season
2: when he came on. The yeah.
0: Show. <laughs> He's never going to come back.
2: <laughs> it's like, great guys. No, it's, it's the life of being a Titans fan. <laughs> um, I think Tannehill, I, I totally get what you're saying. And I think the argument's valid. I, I think most guys by the age of 30, you know what they're going to be. I think with Tannehill, the issue is, he was in Miami. He had terrible coaching down there. The team around him wasn't very good. Um, he dealt with injuries for a few years. I think there are a decent amount of things that were against him. And and I'll be the first to admit, when we switched from Mariota to Tannehill, I was upset. I was actually at the game when Mariota got benched, and I left.
0: <laughs> and oh wow!
2: Not not a good decision. In in hindsight, I mean, it turned our season around. But I think Tannehill does have the potential. I think we're asking Tannehill to do something that he can actually do. He doesn't have to come in and be the savior. I think the the contract, I know you brought up the contract issue um, and how you didn't love it. I think we paid less for Tannehill than I think he would have made if he jumped into the free agent market. I think someone would have overpaid for him. Uh, I
0: mean, maybe somebody overpaid for Nick Foles the year before. It doesn't mean it's the right idea. And I think exactly. Tannehill is better than Foles, to be clear. But- exactly.
2: And I think that the contract that we gave him fits – who Tannehill is, what we're asking him to do. I think his connection with A.J. Brown is amazing. I think he can hand the ball off really well to Derrick Henry. That's, that's a plus, mm-hmm. too. Um, will get I to that
0: contract we, in a second, but yeah.
2: <laughs> what we saw with Tannehill is, I think he's protecting the ball better than he did in Miami, and I think he's making better decisions. So I, I think this year he is going to kind of be that new person that we can look to to say – quarterback in his 30s really changed the trajectory of his career
0: well hold on leaving aside the fact that adam Gase is supposed to be good for quarterbacks and like you want to blame it all on miami it's not like everybody said yeah he sucks in miami but just get him out of there and he'll be great because he's a guy who could not get a job anywhere before last season signed with you guys as a backup for two million dollars couldn't even win the job there and only brought in when mario stunk so it's not like yeah everybody's thought that you know get this guy to miami and he's going to succeed right
2: no nope. i totally understand and i, I think that's Correct. I think when the Titans traded for him, they did trade for a backup quarterback to push Mariota. I think because Mariota was that second overall pick, he had kind of this equity with the team saying, we've got to at least give him a shot. They gave him a couple games into the season. It didn't work out. And Tannehill proved that, I mean, he was more than a backup at that point.
0: Yeah. I mean, his. are you familiar with uh, Chester QBR Plus? I am not. <laughs> All right. So it's basically, it's it's sort of like quarterback ranking uh, rating, but it takes into account also rushing and sacks, like everything a guy does, not just throwing the ball. Um, and then plus just means that it's sort of like OPS plus. It's it's 100 is league average. And so every number above 100 is that much percentage better than the league average quarterback. So Tannehill's career numbers uh, year to year, 89, 92, 103. So, you know, not a bad trajectory. By his third year, he's an above average quarterback. Then 94, 101, misses the season for injury, and 92. So basically, he settled in as a little bit below league average quarterback. And then last year, 126, which is anything north of 120, and you're, getting, you're winning the MVP. So just an epic season. Um, and I just – let's let, – we'll come back to him. Let's talk about Derrick Henry for a second. So Derrick Henry last year led the league in carries, led the league in yards, led the league in rushing touchdowns, was a machine in December and January. So kudos on all that. I don't have an issue with Henry per se. I just hate giving any running back money. Uh, I am, I'm a Vikings fan. I desperately hope the Vikings do not make that mistake with Dalvin Cook. As much as I love Dalvin Cook, I just I don't believe that any running back is ever worth the money. Period. Um, and also, I will say De- Derek Henry is much more one-dimensional than Le'Veon Bell or Dalvin Cook or Todd Gurley or most of these other running backs, uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey, who've been seeking these big contracts lately. He last year he had a career high in receptions. How many receptions did he have last year, Brandon? Oh man, 18. Okay. So, these are not guys who age well. He's, you know, a two down back. Um, and that, that's sort of what Le- uh, Deion Lewis's role was. He's obviously off the team now. And then, of course, we have the curse of 300. So, he had uh, over 300 carries last year, 17 times since 2011. A quarterback, so in the last 10 years, nine years, a running back has had at least 300 carries in a season. So, in that 300 carry season, those guys averaged 324 for 1,523 yards and 11 touchdowns with 4.7 yards per carry. Monster numbers, Derrick Henry type numbers. The following year, those guys, other than uh, Zeke and Henry, because they did it last year, so the other 15 guys, they averaged 199 carries for 843 yards and six touchdowns with 4.2 yards per carry. If I told a Titans fan today that Derrick Henry this year will finish with you know fewer than 250 carries and fewer than 1,200 yards, I feel like they'd slap me in the face. But like if those were the over-unders, I would hammer the under on both of those.
2: I think I'd go the over on it every oh, time. I, <laughs> oh, I'm sure you would. Yeah,
0: and, and, and the fan, the fans of every other player on that list would have. And the only guy yep. who went over was Zeke Elliott, actually, who has has, has done it three times in the four year in his four year career. Um, and so, but just that's my big concern there. It's nothing against Derrick Henry per se. It's just when a running back gets the ball that much, the next year, on average, he's going to have a much worse season. You know, th- those carries pile up on him, and especially you know down the stretch, they were relying on him a lot. And I'm just really nervous. As we said, Deion Lewis, that you know tackle-breaking machine in New England, never really got going in Tennessee the way he was supposed to. Yep. Uh, but he, he's gone. And as we said, Henry is not going to catch the ball. So who's going to play on third down? I guess it's uh, Evans, the, the rookie out of App State.
2: Yeah, we drafted Darrington Evans this year. I think he's definitely going to be kind of that change of pace back, that third down back. Um, I mean, I do think Derrick Henry – does have somewhat of a skill set. I think if you look at some of the the screens that he's taken to the house in the last couple of years, I think he can be a pass catching back if called on, but I think it, it kind of goes back to the Titans managing his carries, managing his time on the field. So I do think Darrington Evans is going to be a big piece of the offense this year, especially on third down.
0: Okay. Um, you know, you mentioned AJ Brown, AJ Brown was a legitimate stud last year and, um, Corey Davis was, I think at this point we have to say, is, is basically a bust as a top five pick. I mean, he's a serviceable wide receiver, but, you know, he's not obviously what you're expecting him to be. Um, and But Brown was really, really good. And whether it was Tannehill picking up Brown or vice versa, either way, that's a good connection. I'll note, by the way, Pro Football Focus says that Tannehill, uh, in 2018, he was the lowest graded starter for them in the NFL. And then he was the highest graded starter for them in 2019. It's the biggest one-season increase we've ever seen from a quarterback. And that's, that's just where my concern is. That just doesn't seem like it's something that's sustainable to me. And you talked about how, you know, mariota is gone. And you, I guess you guys at this point are glad to be gone with Mariota. But, like, the reason I think Tannehill was so valuable last year is because you got him for $2 million and there were no expectations. And I would rather have – the same way I'd rather have Cab Newton than Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina under their respective contracts, I'd rather have Mariota signed with the Raiders for, what, like $7 million to be a backup, something like that? Yes, yeah, something like that. I think I'd rather – we've seen Mariota. You know, Mariota won a playoff game for you guys also, and Mariota also, you know, has looked like a, a very good quarterback at times, obviously, uh, not at the beginning of last year. But I but just what are
1: you gonna do with the extra ten million dollars? Like just get the the is always get the better quarterback, no matter what the price. Like yeah, always I don't get agree bet- with that. What were what you gonna get half a Buddha Baker nowadays over for the ten career, million dollars? Over
0: their careers, you can't argue that, that Tannehill's a better quarterback than Mariota. Last right, if you think well then absolutely. the price
1: doesn't matter. Then the price doesn't matter, Alex. Then it's who's the who's the No, better but the price does matter
0: because it, This is the situation the Vikings had after the year, right, where um, Bradford and um, and Case Keenum and and Bridgewater and all three guys had to figure out what to do, and the answer was they let all three go and they brought in Cousins. But absolutely, for each guy, the question was, how much are you going to pay each guy? Because I disagree with you. If – if the Tum- well, if you have three
1: quarterbacks, that's an unusual situation. Obviously, that was an incredibly unique situation. But Mariota but-
0: and Tannehill have had similar careers that they've both at times looked like Pro Bowl quarterbacks, and they both at times looked like you know 25th best starter. They
1: had the- both those guys. They had both guys in the building, and and the, you know I, they determined that Tannehill was better. Now, I do think we will. It's not the last we see of Mariota as like a player who wins games in the NFL. I don't know if he's going to be a full time starter again, but I. Think, you know at bare minimum he's an excellent backup. Oh, I would, this team? I would
0: rather me. have Mariota and J- and Jameis Winston and Cam Newton the three of them for under ten million dollars combined than any quarterback. In but
1: the those league. guys aren't all going to come here. Those guys weren't all like that. That doesn't not how the world works. It's well, not a you could have
0: you could have got two of them obviously because they all signed to be backups. You could have got two Cam, of them, but yeah,
1: yeah, you yes, Cam would have come here if it was. I it mean, was back mean, the whole probably, the whole concept
0: yes. of you know you can't win with a quarterback making twenty five million plus a year and you have to win when your quarterback's on their rookie scale contract. Like the whole point is you need to get. A good quarterback at the price of a backup quarterback. That's the way to succeed in the NFL. I, I, don't
1: I, I hear whatever I, I, don't, I, I think that's kind of bogus. I, because I, I understand that that's like the thing, and we've all been reading this for now for 10 years. Yeah, but at the end of the day, every single team in the league has a guy they spent 18 million dollars on who's not good. you go... Well, no, well, every, all
0: every team. teams that find.: the And that's
1: the difference between the seven million dollar quarterback and the 25 million dollar quarterback. The problem now is that these guys are all making 37, 38. Yeah. So let's see what happens now. Yeah. But 18 is a joke. Remember, we, we talked about this um, yeah, during a yeah. rare football and, and, and off-season and podcast. Every starting
0: quarterback who has a market is going to go for at least $20 million.
1: Nobody is making in the ballpark, Brandon and Alex, of what Tandil's making, right? Every single quarterback in the league is either making like a few million more minimum or making $7 million or less, right? There's like, he's the only middle... I mean, it's insane to say $18 million is like the middle class or the upper middle class, but right, nobody's making in the 8, 9, 12, 14 range because everyone's getting paid serious starter money because every team has a locked in starter or a guy on a rookie contract except for um, maybe Chicago, but I don't think Foles is, is making more. What's, do you know what Foles is making? I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, he's making a but, lot more than that. Yeah, Foles is on the old contract, right? Yeah. So Foles is making yeah. – Foles is From making like the, Foles probably closest to 10. It he's probably like 20 or something. Um, but, yeah, there's nobody. So he's the, he's the entire middle class in the NFL cuz you know as you said Cam James none of these guys got paid maybe they have some incentives but none of them really got paid so 18's nothing 18's a joke he's like one of the lowest paid starters in the league
0: yeah hold on let's so let's talk about so we talked about AJ Brown uh, DeLaney Walker who had been the face of this franchise for a long time he's gone John o. Smith stepped up is the he the face second- of the franchise I, I told uh, we can discuss this off the air, but I told you, Akiva, that I was working on a deal uh, involving the Titans, and in their deck, they really focused on Delaney Walker, and I was making jokes about that internally at the time. Like, <laughs> okay, yeah, okay, I have that at the sound now. Fair but got some
1: inside in baseball. All
0: right. Yeah, okay. and I, I was—I I definitely told you this at the time because I said, like, you know, if your team is bragging about Delaney Walker as like you know a centerpiece of your team, that's not ideal. Um. All right, but um, John Smith had a great year. Is he Brandon? Is he the second best receiver on the team after Brown?
2: I would say so. I think, I mean, he's a huge athlete and I think that's what he's got going for him. He can break these long plays. Um, he's had a couple of runs that he's taken 40 plus yards. I think he's extremely versatile and I think he is the second best receiver we've got on the team. I think behind him, we've got Anthony Ferkser who has been kind of a touchdown hog in the last couple of games last season. Um, yeah, so he's gotten a fantasy
0: ad from a lot yeah, of people.
2: Exactly. Um, and, and I think those two are going to split some time. I think Smith is going to definitely be kind of that primary tight end, and I think it is because he's kind of the, the more athletic of the two, the better hands. But I think we're going to see a lot of Firkster in the mix as well.
0: Hmm. Um, on the offensive line, last year the line was you know very good, obviously, which helped uh, the breakout years for both Henry and Tannehill, especially your tackles, uh, Taylor Lewin and Jack Conklin. So Conklin's in Cleveland now. And you guys re-signed Dennis Kelly, who's more of a swing, and then you drafted Isaiah Wilson in the first round. Who's, who's starting at right tackle?
2: Oh, man. <laughs> I think everyone wants it to be Isaiah Wilson. I, if I had to guess, I would say Dennis Ke- Kelly starts the season there, um, especially with some of the issues that we've seen with Isaiah Wilson in the last week, um, getting busted at a college party and Ooh. thinking about jumping Ooh, off balcony of to get away. <laughs> What pick was Isaiah um, what Hold on. Pick was
0: Isaiah that is Lusin athleticism, Resson? though, from a, from a yeah, right I'd tackle.
2: Like to see that. It yeah. is. Yeah. He, he, decided he was
0: like that... the 29th pick because they went to the AFC title. With, title
1: he was game. running was. away. I assume wearing a mask he was doing that, running away from the party.
2: I wish. I, I don't know anything about a mask. And what, I know he's... what
1: pick was he? He was like 20 overall? No, they no, had 29 because the, they, they went were, to the AFC title game. What? Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, it goes by the, um, by the playoffs. Okay. All right, so we could deal with that. They don't have – right, they don't have any rookies penciled in the start, if I'm not mistaken, Brandon, right?
0: Well, if so, if they not Wilson, I guess. What
1: about
2: – who are, Who are their yeah, guards? Their Wilson guards are a
1: lot fast. weaker than their tackles.
2: Yeah, we've got Nate Davis. Roger that.
1: Saffold, who's been around for like 50 years, right?
2: Yep. So, I think we're – I mean, our guards are weaker than our tackles. I mean, last year, like you said, we had LeJuan and Conklin. Um, I would say two of the better left and right tackles in the league. Without Conklin um, – I think Nate Davis is going to have to step up on the right side. I think he's been solid throughout his career. Um, I mean, short career at this point, but I think what he showed is that he can kind of hold down the line and whether it's Wilson or Kelly next to him, I think the right side is going to be pretty strong again next year as well.
1: Hmm. Do, would you agree that this team's depth seems pretty weak to me? I mean, not not, like you can't agree with what it seems to me, but would you agree that the team's depth uh, is, is like, I mean, Rece- after after you get past the Brown Davis and I guess Adam Humphreys, there's not really anybody. except I mean, Khalif Raymond, I don't like these guys are all like waiver wire, getting bounced around the league. Guys, uh, you know, Henry is the type of guy we said we need. He needs a backup. I, like who's I don't even know who's making the roster beyond Devons. There's not really anybody who's you know an established NFL player behind him, right? And uh, and then the backup quarterback is Logan Woodside. Is that right?
2: Or Trevor Simeon. <laughs>
1: Or Simeon, who was it? Who's on the who was on the street a week ago, Trevor Simeon?
2: Exactly, and and I've heard he's had. I and mean, some... the Jets
1: were sort of into Simeon, but then he got like split open in you know four, three plays into uh, into his first game, backing up Darnold when Darnold had Mano.
2: Yeah, I think Simeon could definitely be a decent backup, but I agree. I think especially on offense, outside of Raymond and Simeon, um, and whether it's Dennis Kelly or Isaiah Wilson, I don't think we've got a ton of depth here, um, and I think that could be a problem this year.
0: All right, let's let's. Uh, yeah, just
1: in, in general, Alex, this is yeah. such like an anonymous team of of like so like you know you get past Tannehill, you get past Derrick Henry. Now, Adrian Brown is probably going to become a big star this, this year. But yeah, I mean, those it, are three guys so who. Cl-
0: brought, Derek Henry's going in the first round of every fantasy draft, and A.J. Brown's going in, like, the third mm-hmm. round, and Tannehill's going in every, you know, two quarterbacks. Yeah,
1: draft. and Luan, people know. I think Luan is a podcast or something. Like, people know who yeah, he is. John but Smith had
0: a big, th- I would just, say that, you know, for just sort of the casual fantasy type fan, they have a lot of attention. Their defense is Yeah, more but more I, than... I
1: think, like, if we if we went into our, like, group chat, the patron group chat, and said, like, name seven Titans, I think nobody could get to seven Titans, honestly, outside maybe a Titan fan if there was one in there.
0: Uh, I don't know. If you can't name seven Titans, you're not a real football fan.
1: No, there's so many guys on this team that are that are like, even the even the guys who are well known is like, oh, they're on that team, like like Jonathan Joseph, who was good for the Texans a few years ago, is on this team, or like Vic Beasley, who feels like he's on a different team every year. <laughs> like there aren't a there aren't a lot of guy. I don't even know if he's playing Vic Beasley. Like, well, I don't hold on. So let's dealing, talk about like,
0: some of these guys on the defense. All right, uh-huh. so. Yeah. Start on the defensive line. So Jeffrey Simmons has a great season and I guess the Titans were so enamored with it that they gave Drell Casey away for nothing. Like I was very surprised by that trade. Is, is Casey just done? Is that, is that the idea in Tennessee?
2: I don't think so. I think the feeling that I get is, I know I've talked about the team being built from the top down with John Robinson. I feel like he's trying to build kind of a Patriots mindset since he goes back uh, to the Patriots in in his career. Um, and I think that's, the reason behind that trade to the Broncos for Darrell Casey, I think we gave him up for essentially nothing. And I think it was a mistake. I think Casey's got a few good years left in him, but I think it came down to money and paying him. And I think the money went to Tannehill and Henry instead of Casey. Keith says there's no
0: use for that money. What about Cameron Wake? So uh, pro football focus uh, graded him as their top, the Titans top lineman last year, but uh, you know, they had just signed him the year before on a pretty team friendly contract. (laughs) He has a good season. They cut him and I don't think he's in the league right now. Yeah, I No, he was injured, you know, a lot of the year, but he uh, but when he was
2: healthy, he was playing well. So, yeah, no, I totally agree. I think Wake had a really good season last year. I think that's another one of Did those he sort
1: of semi retire or is he sitting at the year? I don't know. Remember, Wake also like played in Canada. So he didn't even come over till he was old. So he's extremely old.
0: Is that true? How old is he? he's definitely old. Like he's old oh he's 38 oh yeah yeah he's, old. Yeah,
1: he's really old like yeah he because he really didn't get going for a long okay. like you would all right, so maybe if wake out. didn't go to the cfl would have been like in the hall of fame he was like really
0: he played two years in the cfl let's not go crazy here
1: he didn't but when did, what when was his first NFL year it was like 30 i think okay no he's played 11 years anyway
0: yeah um all right so yeah we talked about vic beasley you guys gave him a one-year deal i i, I never have a problem with one-year deals right i mean there's like limited downside obviously Uh, Let's talk about the Titans linebackers, though, because that's a fairly anonymous group. Yeah, so... (laughs) Yeah, no, you're
2: you're good. I mean, our our linebacking core, I think, is super young. I think we've got Rashawn Evans and Harold Landry, who we drafted two years ago. Um, Drafted Evans in the first round, Landry in the second. A lot of people had Landry graded as a first-round talent. He had some injury issues that pushed him back to the second. Um, We took a flyer on him despite the injury, kind of like we did with Jeffrey Simmons last season. Um, I think those two are definitely going to have breakout seasons this year. I think Rashawn Evans is really coming into his own as kind of the leader of this defense. Um, And Jayon Brown is there as well. I think Jayon Brown is someone that's been hugely underrated. I think he's all over the field all the time. Uh, We had a couple games where he was out last year and I think it was kind of hard replacing the production that he had on the field.
0: In the secondary, uh, Keith talks about Jonathan Joseph, who's here. He's another guy who seems like he must be very old. You guys also drafted Christian Fulton in the second round. It's, uh, you know, Isaiah Wilson, notwithstanding his uh, incredible ability to leap off of uh, college porches, was seen as a bit of a reach in the first round. But Fulton was one of the guys, I remember reading the Vikings, my target in the first round. So it seems like he was a very good value in, uh, late in the second round. And, uh, Who's so Joseph and Fulton? Are they? Are they? Are they? I know, I know Logan Ryan's gone. Like, who's starting here? You still have Malcolm Butler, obviously. Adoree Jackson. What's the plan in the secondary?
2: So I think we've definitely got it locked down with Butler and, and Adoree Jackson. Um, I think it's going to come down to who's going to kind of play that slot corner role, and that was Logan Ryan last year, and I think it's going to be hard to replace. I think I could see Jonathan Joseph starting there um, in that third cornerback spot, and I think as the season progresses. Progresses. I think Fulton is definitely going to have a huge role in this team. I think, like you said, he he was graded as kind of a first round talent, and the fact that he slid to the second round was kind of a big deal. And, and I think picking him up is going to be huge, especially in trying to replace Logan Ryan long term.
0: Hmm. Akiva, okay, I think we need to go to
1: the schedule game now because. Well, hold on. I believe yeah. Brandon. Uh, when I spoke to him to to ask him to come on, he has a, a special player on the Titans that he really wants to talk about. <laughs>
2: Man, I didn't think we were actually going to talk about this. Akiva. Brett
1: Kern, he said he, the, the Titans have the best punter. He wants to talk about their punter. Okay. I don't know Let's if there's much about.
2: to say. I think Brett Kern is <laughs> easily the best punter in the NFL. I think that's one of the, the keys mm-hmm. to the success that the Titans had last year. Is I mean, he can pin people back in the 20 or further back. I think it's one of the things that was totally underrated last year for the Titans and helps the defense out. All right,
0: I, that's will say. I have Brett talk. I have Brett Kern as the 34th best punter in NFL history on my punter rankings. Unbelievable. Yeah, his, his, his CP plus, his Chester punt plus percentage is uh, plus 1.7. So he's been about 1.7% better than the average punter in his career. But, uh, you know, that's over 12 years and he wasn't as good early in Denver. And so, yeah, uh, he's a good punter. He's no uh, Andy Lee, but, you know, Andy Lee's obviously on the downside of his career. So Thomas Morstead, I think, is my favorite punter actually on New Orleans. Also a real minch. Off the field. Anyway, yeah. So this is why I want to ask you about the schedule game, Brandon. So we've been doing this with fans of the other teams. And you were talking about how nobody respects the Titans. And spoiler alert, you're right. Because in week one, you're facing the Broncos. And our Broncos fan is sure that they're going to win this game. In week two, you're home against the Jaguars. At home against the Jaguars. And our Jaguars fan is sure that the Jaguars are going to win that game. <laughs> um, yeah, and the Vikings and Steelers and uh, Bills, you know, obviously those teams think they're going to win. So, I, Akiba, I don't remember. Did the Bengals fan think that – um that the that the Bengals are going to beat them in Week Eight.
1: I don't think we did. Um, game with them. I don't think we did the schedule game attack. But because if sure. we because if
0: we just counted the Titans' record based on what the team playing them thinks they're going to do each week, they're going to go like two and fourteen. I was shocked. Like when the Jaguars By every team's guy,
1: going two and fourteen. You know,
0: no, no, most teams like the the Chiefs are one hundred percent going sixteen and zero. Everybody says when they play the Chiefs, oh yeah, we're going to lose that game. Um, but the Jaguars guy had his team going five and eleven, but he thought in Week Two that they go into Tennessee. He's like, oh yeah, that's a definite win. I was sort of shocked. So let's uh, let's get Brandon's perspective. Week one, you have that late Monday night game against Denver in Denver. Who's going to win this game?
2: I mean, I live in Denver. I'm around Broncos fans all the time. I hear all uh-huh. the, the stuff here. I'm going to go with Titans.
0: So hold on a second. You are are you from Nashville? I'm not. So how are you a Titans fan?
2: Uh, my mom was a Broncos fan. My dad was a Chiefs fan, and I got sick of it when <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that was a bad Most choice. Pick the team. <laughs>
0: So let's see. I have this one team that's have a Super Bowl. You know, winning a lot of Super Bowls. I have this other team who just won the Super Bowl and <laughs> might win the next five. I'm going to go with the, the team that's nine and seven every year.
2: They uh, had a well, sword. I was like eight. It's fine. Yeah.
0: Can't be accused of being a front runner. Then. Oh, so it was like the Steve McNair era. Was it when you went to the Super Bowl and finished a yard short? I don't know how old you are, but...
2: Yeah, it was around then. I think the year before.
0: Okay. All right. So not a terrible time to pick up the times. All right. So you go into Denver and win. Come home on Sunday. Face the Jaguars. Henry's
2: rushing for 250. We're winning that one.
0: Uh, 250. Wow. 2-0 oh, at the Vikings in week three.
2: I think that was going to be tough. I'd, I'd, I'd go with a the loss there.
0: All right. And then week four at home against Pittsburgh.
2: I'd go with another loss there.
0: Yeah. It, you got a three tough home games in a row against teams that you know, you're fighting for playoff spots with. Uh, week five, it's Buffalo.
2: I think that one's a win.
0: All right. And then week six, it's Houston.
2: Go with a win on that one.
0: I got to say if they're 4 and 2 going into the bye with that tough schedule, I mean other than the Jacksonville game, there's not an easy game in that bunch. So that's pretty good. You come out of the bye, it gets a little easier. You face uh, Cincinnati on the road in week 8 and then you're home for Chicago in week 9.
2: I think Cincinnati will be tough with Burrow, but I think we can pull that one off. I think I think we, we can get the win in Chicago as well. Wow,
0: 6 and up. 2. And then on short rest you face the Colts on Thursday night in week 10.
2: I'll go with a win since I've been home.
0: Seven and two. All right. So the Titans over under is either eight or eight and a half. So I think that we're probably banging the over at this point. Uh, it's getting a little bit harder. Week eleven, you go at Baltimore.
2: I think that's a revenge game. I don't, I don't think we've got a chance there.
0: All right, seven and three, and then week twelve, you face the Colts for the second time in two weeks.
2: Uh, going into Indy's never easy. I'll go with a loss there. All right, so
0: seven and four, you face the Browns in week thirteen. I
2: think that's a win.
0: All right, 8-4, and, and then at Jacksonville in week 14. Can you get the sweep against Jacksonville?
2: I think so. I think the Titans have owned them the last couple years, so I think I'll go for a win
0: there. 9-4, already probably locking up a playoff spot, already locked on the over. Um, is it weird, by the way, to not have a uh, Titans-Jaguars game on Thursday night? It feels like it's wrong, no?
2: It does feel wrong, but <laughs> I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> so is the rest
0: of America. Um, all right, uh, week 15, you face the Lions.
2: We can win that one.
0: 10-4. And, and then you finish with two tougher games, Sunday Night Football against the Packers, and then at Houston, uh, the same way that the season ended last year, except I think last year was in Tennessee in Week 17. But
2: I think those are two losses.
0: All right, so you go from 10-4 and four to 10-6. and six. Is 10-6 and six enough to win the AFC South, or are you a wild card?
2: I think it'll be tough. I think the Colts are going to be tough in the South this year. I think we can win it with 10-6, and six, but it might come down to that Week 17 game.
0: Hmm. All right, Akiva, Akiva, what about you? Uh, what's your take on if the over-unders eight and a half, where are you going?
1: Yeah, I've been thinking about this over-under as like one of the trickier ones of all 32. And I think just because that they were like last year was a dream season. Like you said, they went nine and seven. I would go under, but it would not be one of my best. Well, no, But
0: they go nine and seven every year. So I think the dream was really more of the playoffs. Well, honestly, going to New uh, England and win, going to Baltimore and win.
1: Like, devil's advocate for Abel's an amazing coach. Like, this is, you know, he well, made the on, AFC what's our championship. Source game. source that
0: because he took over a 9 7 team and they stayed 9 7 every year. So,
1: but yeah, but you know what? A, a bad coach would have had bad years by now. Like, this is not a championship roster and he had them pretty close to a Super Bowl. Like, this is he's doing a very
0: good job. Yeah, I mean, think of the Jaguars were in the AFC championship game a couple of years before uh, from the same division. I like Doug Marone. Yeah, but I'm just saying, and, and then everybody in Jacksonville was like, yeah, we got the saxophone defense, and you know we, got a, we have a good quarterback all of a sudden. Our, our yeah, but our they
1: had more good players. This Titans team has like two players.
0: Wait, hold on. So your argument is the Jaguars had more good players, and two years later, the worst team in the league, and so therefore <laughs> –
1: My argument is that Vrabel's a good coach because he took a nothing team with lots of B-plus guys at best to the AFC championship game, whereas Jag- the Jaguars, for a year at least – had you know like seven all pros on defense and like it made sense that they were there even though their offense was a net
0: uh brandon how would you would you consider the season a success